Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. My name is Rabbi Abby Soslin. Today we are learning Masachat Yivamot, Daf Kuf Yud Bet, page 112. On Amud Bet, we open chapter 14 of the Masachat, which is titled by the first two words of the opening Mishnah, Cheresh Shenasa, a deaf mute who married. This is the Mishnah to which we referred on uh, page 110. Here's how it begins. Cheresh shenasa pikachat. A deaf mute who married a pikachat. Pikachat here is translated as a mentally competent woman. Cheresh shenasa pikachat. A deaf mute who married a mentally competent woman or a mentally competent man who married a deaf mute, if the husband wishes to divorce her, he may divorce her. And if he wishes to retain her as his wife, he may retain her. Just as he marries her, with a remiza gesture, kahu motzi beremiza. He can also divorce her with a gesture. This is unusual and surprising to allow a deaf mute to effectuate a marriage or a divorce with a gesture. Remember that binding marriage requires intent as well as a spoken formula. As Julius Proust explains in his book, Biblical and Talmudic medicine, it is not clear whether the Talmud was speaking of a deaf person or a deaf mute person, but it is certainly clear that the cheresh is seen as the opposite here of the pikeach, a person of sound mind. In general, Jewish law considered the deaf mute to be lav bardea, not mentally competent. Biblically, a cheresh, or a deaf or a deaf mute, whichever way we're reading this, was not permitted to marry. But as we saw in the preceding chapter, the rabbis instituted marriage that would be binding by rabbinic law, so that a cheresh could marry according to rabbinic law. The Mishnah continues here with an extended treatment of different scenarios, which include Cheresh and Shota, an insane person or a mentally ill person, um, and a Pikeach, all sorts of different scenarios of these kinds of people getting married and performing Yibum and Chalitza. Each one, in theory, is designed to protect the most vulnerable, one could argue. But I think that it poses a a concern for us as modern readers today. It is nice to know that the rabbis were hoping to protect the cheresh and the cheresheth from abuse or exploitation. But the modern reader might find the rabbinic approach to the deaf or the deaf mute to sound somewhat antiquated in our reading today. Um, for this, I, I want to turn to a sermon that was given by the recently deceased Rabbi Valley Beth Shalom in Los Angeles, Rabbi Harold Shulweis, Zichrono Livracha, 
who spoke in his synagogue about this very issue in a sermon that he gave about changing halakha. He suggested that halakha, in addition to our perspective on certain kinds of issues, has shifted. He wrote, until the 19th century, halachists held that the deaf mute could not serve as a witness, dispose of property, be counted into a minion, or affect a marriage or a divorce. The assumption was clear. Since the cheresh could not communicate or could not speak or hear, he was considered to be, quote, dumb, a word which originally meant mute. And it was turned later into a colloquial expression, which meant stupid. But as Rabbi Shulweis wrote, traditional law, thankfully, in Jewish law, is not frozen. He wrote that when Rabbi Simcha Bunam Sofer of Hungary visited the Vienna Institute for the Deaf and Dumb, he observed the accomplishments of its students. He saw the abilities of these students who were both deaf and mute, and he recognized that the cheresh is far from mentally incompetent. And even in our own times, Rabbi Yitzchak Halevi Herzog maintained that the laws which prohibit the deaf-mute from ritual and commercial acts are now void, and that the cheresh today should, can and should indeed participate fully in religious life. So moving back to our Mishnah, we see that the Mishnah can be read almost as a historical text. As we see again and again, Talmudic study is not always about arriving at legal principles. Of course, we do want to protect the vulnerable, but here the cheresh may not necessarily be as vulnerable as one may think upon reading this Mishnah. So we see that Talmudic study sometimes is really just as much about learning about ancient communal attitudes and how they may have shifted. In this snippet of a Mishnah, we see a record of the rabbinic attempt to protect the vulnerable, but we also see a history of the way different demographics were viewed in ancient times. And it is good to know that Jewish law has evolved since Mishnaic times. I'd like to point to one more interesting note in our Mishnah. If we look lower down, we see that Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri poses a fairness question. Why is it, he asks, that a man may divorce a woman who becomes deaf-mute, but a woman may never divorce a man who has become a deaf-mute? Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri never gets an answer to this question, even later in the Gemara, where the rabbis seem to argue around his question rather than respond to it directly. But as Dr. Judith Hauptman argues in her book, Rereading the Rabbis, it seems as though Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri's question is left here in the Mishnah as a record of a dissenting voice. Dr. Houtman shows that at other moments in the Talmud, he is also the one to present concerns about a law, and she suggests, she suggests that this role is an essential one, as it allows for dissent even when the law itself is not necessarily ready to be changed. This is one of those things that we often hear about Talmudic study, that the presence of dissenting opinions is evidence itself of the open and welcome debate in the tradition. Here, instead of a dissenting opinion, we get a tricky question. Wait, why is this fair? And even if there's no answer to why is this fair, 
even if the answer does not appear on the daf itself, at least the question is recorded, perhaps with a hope that later generations will come to understand the very same law in new ways. The fact that the question is there is a sign that one day, perhaps, the law may change. Until tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.